What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 52, Rivals Review, Scavix Plague Pack, and the Paths of Prophecy. For anyone that isn't familiar, the Battle Mallet Podcast is the journey of three busy gamers on their uh, annual trip to the Nova Open Convention, playing games that they love and balancing life with those games. My name is Jared Johnson. Tonight, I am joined by Trace Hyde. Hello, hello. And Jason Tabled Noob Murray. The corruption is among us. Did I get oh. those names right? Because it's been like two months since we've recorded. So I who, who are you? Yeah, right. Trace and I see each other all the time, but you, you're a figment of our imagination. That's true. That's where I like to live. Yeah. And it's and it's a three three busy gamers and sometimes a plus one. Sometimes a plus one. Hey, that plus one, we love you. He's coming we to do. Nova. We do. He's coming him. to Nova. So, uh, in this episode, uh, for for context, it is. Sadly, August 9th. It is two months and a day after we released our last episode. Um, and uh, so we are going to cover the Scavix Plague Pack Warband and the Paths of Prophecy Rivals deck. Although I don't know why we're covering the Paths of Prophecy Rivals deck because literally right before uh, we started recording, I got on the Games Workshop website and it is expunged. So you can't even like order it, pre order it. Oh, good. Yeah, so we knew it was delayed. That was in the Warcom article. So who knows when this will come out. But well, somebody saw it was foretold because it is a prophetic deck. So that is true. That is true. Um, but that happened with the lot. That, like, that was Beastbound Assault, yeah, too. Beastbound yeah. Assault, they took from the website, too, because yeah. I checked every day. And then I ordered it from overseas, and I received it the same day I received the one that was shipped in America. So yeah, hey. but didn't you also receive like fearsome fortress? <laughs> yeah. I, they sent me the wrong deck first and then I had to get nice. the new deck and they literally came the same day. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards. So the bulk just of this go to episode... staples and use my old cards. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just print them off on staples and then just put them in over top of old cards. It's fine. It's, they're the same. I'm sure it's the same cards. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just print them off the interwebs. Yeah. From somebody. Not that the cards are on the internet anywhere, because that would be IP infringement. Oh, isn't there an official GW deck builder? Nah, that like four <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, way back in Night Vault, there was. Yeah, there right? truly was. Wasn't a bad I think it was. A, I think it was even during Shadespire. Or yeah, Shadespire. It was at the latter. Yeah, it was the latter part of Shadespire in this in the Night Vault, and it was a bad. Like it was no. fine. Yeah, um, it didn't do Beast Grave though, right? But community do what community going to do, and they yep. make a better one. Yep. So most of this article will be our standard rival slash nemesis review of that warband and that deck. I do want to warn our avid Underworlds focused listeners that it has been a while that we since we've recorded together, and the Nova Open is right around the corner. So our intro is probably going to be a little longer than normal, and probably skew away from Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, drastically. So if you're here for that Rivals review uh, of the Warband and the deck, please jump into the show notes, grab that timestamp, jump to that timestamp, you'll get to the content that you want, uh, and you won't have to listen to us talk about things like Marvel Crisis Protocol and uh, Legions Imperialis and Warhammer 40k and our lives. What is and- Legions? What, that, what? I, don't, I don't even know how to say that. Legions Epic? It's fine. Yes. Worry, it'll soon, it'll soon be expunged pronounced. from the website as well, so it's fine. Yeah, right. Another delay. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Damn you! Damn you, GW! I know, right? <laughs> so, 
with all of that, I guess it's time to talk about what we've been up to. For the no, new segment. Months. Oh, the new, new segment. I forgot about new the new segment. segment. New segment. Yeah, so we're three dads. Jason's the most excited, so so uh, intro us in. Yeah, so uh, we are three dads, and I don't know about all of you out there in internet land, but I love a good dad joke. My kids write it in my Father's Day cards. My daughter has a whole book of of dad bad dad jokes. I love them. They're stupid. So after the intro, we're going to have a dad joke. And tonight, it's presented by Mr. Trace. Okay. Um, so the other day, my wife asked me if I'd seen the dog bowl. And I yeah. just told her that I didn't know that he did. But um, nice. nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I love to bowl too. So it's yeah. a fantastic, silly dad joke. So anyway, on to our normal banter. We've been all been very very busy. We've all actually met up a lot. But why don't we share with the listeners what you've been up to, Jared? What's been going on the last two months? Oh my gosh, I get traveling. to go first. Yeah. Traveling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Traveling for work, traveling for not work, um, working, um, watching my son swim at a pool a ton. So I think we've talked about this. Uh, my schedule kind of got blown up, uh, because my son is swimming year round and that eats into the evenings. And, uh, apparently like I have to take him to practice and pick him up from practice or whatever. So balancing it makes it hard. games. It's part yeah. of our podcast. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so it makes it can hard to get out. Can you just power wheel? Like, can you just load up and get on there? Uh, you would think, but, you know, you <laughs> know, kids <laughs> these days. I've seen folks on YouTube that have put, like, their DeWalt drill batteries onto power wheels. I think that would work great. I think it would. For and go about real fast. a quarter mile, and then yeah, drain fine. the battery. But, it's, it's all right. he can walk yeah, so, but I mean, it's been good, and it's been fun. Um but it has meant that I, for a long time, was missing out on uh, our regular Underworlds meetups. Um, but I've been able to make it to the past few. But even with that, I've actually played a decent amount of Underworlds, um, mm-hmm. gotten a decent number of games in, trying to nail down what I'm taking to the Nova Open Convention uh, for the Underworlds Clash, which, by the way, is sold out. Is bum, bum, bum. Uh, so 32 players signed up. Um, if trends follow, I, I can imagine a world in which we do not have all 32 players there. Um, I will try to manifest that all two 32 players show up so that we can have a good solid showing a good solid tournament, uh, from when that comes out. But, and I think we'll get into this probably as we cycle through what we've been up to and, and what we're thinking and all of those things. But, you know, as Jason, Trace and I have been talking about what to bring, we're taking a look at other tournaments other events that are running and i mean there are some pretty clear front runners when it comes to strength or popularity whatever the case is uh cough cough ethylum cough cough um but like everything is being played and i and i think it makes it tough to choose what to play because you can either it's not we don't live in a world where you can just pick the meta or the counter meta i think there are a lot of really good choices out there, especially in the Nemesis format. So I've been playing some Far Striders. I've been playing some Crimson Court. Uh, I've been playing some Felmorn. Um, I've been playing some Cunning Crew. So 
Um, yeah, I think, but you make a good point there, and that might be our local meta or the way the three of us play is like when you say it's real hard to gauge the meta, um, <clears throat> there are definitely front runners, like, right? You have um, Heffalumps and Dormantan, which are probably like up there, followed by um, Gnarl Spirit Pack. At least that's like in my research that I've done, that seems to be the, the ones that kind of spike up. But if Heffalump's out there, then fast aggro is the counter, right? That's, yeah. I mean, in that, and we've seen Nova in the past doesn't normally follow the current meta. It's typically very aggro. So that throws a whole nother thing in there too, is like these, the players that are coming to Nova, if they're playing aggro, does Heffalump go down in, in popularity? Like, is right. that actually the bad choice? Cause if you get in there and wreck face fast, they're, you know, they can be held in check. And does that bring something else up? Right. Like, so it's a, it's a cool thing to have. Um, I think you've covered your three and you have played a lot of games. Anything else that you've been up to? Um, so played the, our first game of combat patrol. Um, and, uh, not it was fantastic, right? It was. I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, it, oh my gosh, there Jason. Squeaky, squeaky. Yeah. Uh, ele- oh. <laughs> 11 <laughs> 11:30. Yeah, I got it. Dirty Eldar player. Dirty Eldar. Um they are potent to say the least. Uh, having not played 40k in a year and I feel like you should have just said just... Port- you should have just used portent there. Yeah. Portent. Because that's what they do. They weave yeah. the fates. fortune. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the fates weaving fates like are they really that like so we you've played one game right i played one game yeah, yeah it was nice to get that on the table we all went to that thursday meetup yeah um we all played 40k danny came out so there's a little more um sharing of what we've been up to and it was fan it, like i i had fun as well because i was there i played necrons um, but I have fun because I have no idea. I didn't read the rules. I just used the Stellar GW app. I love that app. Yeah, oh my gosh, that app is so good. It's like I click the button. It tells me what the rule is. Fantastic. It took me two hours to play a combat patrol, but I don't care. It was it was fun. But th- so did you fall back in love with 40K or you're still like, it's fun. I'm going to try it. Maybe, maybe. I don't know that I ever felt. Well, I fell out of love with the game. Um, but the universe will forever grab me. And the other thing that helps with that is by and large, the Dawn of fire series has been really well written and a lot of fun to read. And it's really cool. It's it's, it is heavily Imperium, which makes sense, right? It is following the great crusades, you know, uh, the, the Indominus crusade and, and all of the arms of that. But, you you have seen throughout all six books now like a lot of different factions within the Imperium and what they're up to, how they feel, how the rift has affected them. So you're seeing the guard, you're seeing custodies, you're seeing sisters of silence, you're seeing night houses, you're seeing Black Templar, you're seeing Battle Sisters, uh Space Wolves, and Remembrancers. Remembrancers the Inquisition. 
So you're getting a lot of different perspectives of the Indominus Crusade across all of these different worlds. There are some overarching themes. A few of the books are very well interconnected. Uh, the rest of them are more or less standalone, and there'll be some slight references. But it has helped keep me grounded in the 40K universe. And being able to get those models with that aesthetic on the table and play out a battle just felt good. So Even though you're playing Filthy Eldar. Even though I'm playing Filthy Eldar. It was my first army, so there's a bit of a nostalgia touch there, too. I mean, for the full context for our listeners, so Trace and I fell in love with Crusade when Crusade came out in 40K. Ninth edition. Eighth yes. edition. Right. No, it Eighth was right edition. Eighth edition. Yeah. Was it, was it ninth? ninth? It was, it was ninth. ninth. Two years yeah. ago. Well, whatever. Long time ago. Long time ago when like our first get together. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, three. It was COVID three, three years, years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, Trace and I learned that game at the couples retreat in the mountains. <laughs> and it was fantastic. And we came back all hyped up, playing Crusade, playing Crusade. I was playing Space Marines. You were playing Death Guard. Jared was trying to do some Aeneid stuff. And it didn't work. It didn't work. You got raffle stomped time and time again. And you're like, this is stupid. I don't want to play anymore. And then 40K just fizzled. Now, now Eldar is the dominant war, war band. Look at my Wonderworld's coming in there. And you're like, I want to play 40k all the time. Hmm. Connection? I mean, I don't. Oh, it was my first army. Oh, bull. Oh, another one. My gosh, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we were juiced when we came back from the mountains, though. I remember that. Like we were. Yeah. Jason and I were juiced for 40k, and that was that had been a long time since we had felt that way. Yeah. And, and maybe it'll hook us this time. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I I had fun. Trace, did you enjoy your combat patrol game? I did. I mean, I got I got pinned down and smashed by Tyranids, but it was fine. Like, there's just too many bodies. I took a uh, Admech combat patrol against the Tyranid combat patrol, which I can tell you is a significant difference in the number of models and shots being fired. Um but yeah, it was like fine. Like throw out just a ton of shots, right? That's what you're referring to. No, <laughs> no. Um, just the speed of the Tyranids and the small size of the board and stuff like that. Like I was not able to get out of my area before he was on me, um, which was fine. Like I still had fun, and I was just really using it as a opportunity to learn the rules. Um, but I was I really enjoyed it. Um, I look forward to playing some more games whenever we find some time to dedicate to some combat patrol um, and 40 K the broader game of 40 K. Cause I know Danny wants to play, you know, some thousand point games and larger if possible. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the app is a major boon to the game that it's not had in the past. Cause I, as somebody who used the age of Sigmar app a lot, having that app and being able to like reference things really quickly is just huge because you don't have to go fumbling through your rule book. You can just click on the rule if you need it and pull it up. Yep. Uh, it's just a really good resource to have while you're at the table. Um, so yeah, that's, 
Yeah. And I'm cool. assuming we're moving on to to me now for other things, or are we continue with Jared? Or just well, I'm just asking question here. So okay. like, yeah, yeah. Know, let's go with the flow. Jared, painting wise, you painted something to get on this combat patrol train, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I had painted the Guardians the last time we recorded, or I was in the mm-hmm. midst of painting those. Uh, but I finished up the Farseer, and I have done just the barest amount of work on the jet bikes at this point. Um, but, I mean, it's been fun to paint. I enjoy painting when I have time to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. And I will echo what you said about the Dawn of Fire series. Um, there are some books that drag, and when I say books, I'm an audio listener because I'm in the car all the time. Um, but I found every single book, you get to a point, and it just hits this critical mass, and it's like, then I can't stop. Like, I just right. want to know what's going on. And there is some chaos stuff in there. You didn't mention, like, they follow the familiars and the the sorcerers a little bit. So That's true, yeah. Um, so that's... It, it is a really good series, and what I like about it, it's kind of current, although it feels like 40K may have moved a little bit further in the storyline than where the books are now. Yeah. But um, it's still cool nonetheless. Yeah. I'll be... I'll be excited to see when the Dawn of Fire series catches up with uh, Son of the Forest. Yes. When the lion. When, so when, we're not we're not there. Like we're not through the I, Nihilus yet. I don't think that we have gotten through the rift. Yeah. Okay. And that's. You're just two books ahead of me. So I thought maybe the Black Templar book, they crossed the thing. I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> no, no, even even at. So. <laughs> So there, there are glimmers of passages through um, at the end of book six. Fantastic! I look forward to getting there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I think the the Nachman Gauntlet is established. The one from the the campaign series from ninth edition. But is that, is that where the Crimson Fist just shot everybody because of Gene Steer cult? Yes. Yep. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. That's your favorite that that has been referred. Yeah. That has been referenced in the books. Yeah. Um, But Gilliman is looking for other passages through the rift. So cool. I can't wait to to get there. And they do a really good job at talking about a Primarch, right? Like, yeah, they humanize it, but make it more than a human. And yes, they do that. There's a lot of books that talk about the Primarchs and they all do that very well so. yeah and the this the latest book uh you get to see the primarch through the eyes of a sister of battle so you know somebody that is on the side of the imperium where the emperor is a god and is worshipped which is not where gilliman falls but you see you get to see him through her eyes uh, yeah. and it's pretty cool so, awesome. yeah, but I, I think, I think that's it. Can't you think, think that's it? Else. So game games, a bunch of games on Underworlds, one game of 40K, one painted model. And that's, that's it. A handful. Yeah. Yep. And then cool. some excitement around. Oh, excitement around two things. So we've got Epic, Legions Imperialis. Nah, there's no excitement there. Yeah. Well, there was some excitement and then it got delayed. We were all we were all super duper hopeful that either we would have 
Epic miniatures in hand and be able to play uh, Epic yeah. at Nova, or that there would be a demo for us to do. And it doesn't look like either of those are going to be an option anymore. But uh, earlier this week, I watched all of my Epic money evaporate right before my eyes because Joy Toy released the teaser for the Dread Knight. <laughs> and for anybody that hasn't listened to all of our episodes, uh, we all got to take home Invictor Tactical Warsuits from our Kill Team Live championness championship at nova, at nova last year thanks um, eddie thank you eddie exactly um and as excited as i was about the invictor tactical warsuit as somebody who doesn't play vanilla space marines at all like this dread knight is just crazy good it is pretty cool so. It is pretty cool. If you haven't seen the Twitter like little post from Joy Toy, go check it out. Yeah, this one has moving parts. Yeah, battery cool. powered side cannon or Gatling silencer. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. So, but you you, you mentioned Epic, like yep. that whatever you know, Legions game. Imperialis. Yeah, uh huh. Sure, Epic. Yep. Um, heresy epic is really what i should call it but yeah yes um you mentioned that yeah that's anyone that's listened for some time anyone that's talked to me in person like i've never played epic or played that scale of game but it is the one thing that has intrigued me and i said if this ever comes out i'm i'm all in well i'm all in but somebody else went all in because trace your hobby progress because we were so pumped really revolved around epic and is revolving around epic so what do you got going on over there man i can see it in the background on the video it's pretty oh that's sweet. true it is I, uh, i've done a lot of horse trading first off uh traded some things that i would never use because i bought them in the, the height of 40k clouds and i've since traded that so i have acquired a inbox warlord titan for epic. for epic yeah for epic yes nice. inbox yeah, yeah. with the sun fury annihilators and the big laser beams on top uh have not put him together yet because i've been doing other things and i also managed to get my hands on the adeptus titanicus starter set which has two reavers two warhounds and two knights in it uh none of this is put together yet because i've been painting 40k stuff and i have been painting some underworld stuff and a little bit of marvel crisis protocol but i've also been printing the ever-loving crap out of <laughs> epic scale buildings on my 3d printer so for my birthday i got a 3d printer uh, it is a fdm printer it is an elegu Nap neptune 3 pro for those who are curious um and I have gotten my hands on some STLs for um, epic scale buildings that are the same, kind of the same style as what was in the uh, Legions or the Titanicus. Titanicus box set a long yeah. time ago. They're like cross buildings kind of. Yep. Um, and then there's some that are like more box shapes but they have more interest more intricacies to them so i've been printing those out i've got like probably 10 or 12 now that i've printed out um 
I've gotten a lot of the big ones done that are like line of sight blocking. Um, and then from what I've read, the base sizes for the infantry who can go on top of buildings, from what I understand, um, they're 25 millimeter, which will fit on top of a lot of the buildings that I have printed so far or in the cover of the buildings that I've printed so far. So, I'm gonna really? so those bases on the infantry stands are 25 mil? 25 mil, yep. I didn't read that. And when you yep. look at it, because there's so many models on it, it look good. And they're, they're so tiny, flat. Wow. And they're so flat too. So wow. that it is, it's, it's, you think it's a 40 mil base. Like when yeah, you I look thought, at I it. I literally thought they were bigger. Yeah. 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 When you, when you look at it, you think it's a 40 mil base, but because they've said like, it'll look like they're floating on a platform on the 25 mils if they didn't shorten it. So they've got these new yeah. custom bases that they're making. I guess they're like part of the sprue. I would imagine. Um, so they're, they're thinner, they're more wafery. So they look wider. So they look like a 40 mil base, but they are 25 mils. Wow. That's <clears throat> yep. going to be some small boys. Yep. That is going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I, I was a lot more excited for Epic than I thought I was going to be. I mean, I had always talked about like when Jason talked about Epic, I was like, Oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be down for Epic. Um, cause one of my most fond memories when I first got into the hobby was we were at my friend Seth's house and my friend Justin was over there and he was playing, um, oh, what was the name of the game? He was playing something on his Sega Saturn. We're going to date ourselves now. Sega Saturn and the Games Workshop catalog was always a thing at the house. So like he had it and I was like laying across his bed looking at the the 40 the the GW catalog, the order mail order catalog. And I would always stop at the epic stuff because I always thought it was so cool looking, but nobody we weren't interested in that at the time. Um and, you know, we were all playing fantasy, like, you know, third and fourth edition fantasy at that time. And um, so it was like, it was all fantasy all the time. But I was always be, be amazed by, like, the Titans and the, the tiny tanks and some of the Eldar stuff, like the Eldar Phantom Titans and stuff like that. They were super cool looking. Um, so I've always been intrigued by it. Um, and so when when they showed all the preview for the stuff, I was like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. Yeah, we always talked about getting into Adeptus Titanicus, but it just never resonated with me because, like, well, it did resonate. Like, I love the models, mm -hmm. but I like infantry. And geez, now I, I'm like, I'm my mind is still blown that the base is going to be that small. I keep looking down at my mat, like, what is 25 mil? And it's just like, holy cow, I got to paint like five dudes on a stand that is <laughs> that big of a base. Like, it's. It's going to be pretty sweet. Bolters um, and shoulders, baby. Bolters and shoulders. That's right. Um, but regardless of when it comes out, I am hyped. Um, you even painted some of your terrain, which looked fantastic. The moss effects that you did on it were were really cool. Yeah, it was super fast. It's mostly rattle can, one dry brush, and then like some moss, some moss color, and like a little bit of an airbrush of a snake bite leather through the thing to make like oh, scorch yeah. effects. It's super easy. Um, so that was my test piece. That was a, a piece that I printed at a smaller scale just to see like one, if my, print, if my printer could do it. And then 
um, what the detail would be like. And I've found that like some of the problems with the printer are because it's FDM, there's like some ridge lines around the rubble. So it, it doesn't produce like when you think about rubble on GW models, it's always very granular looking. It doesn't look that way. So the way that I found to kind of around that is just to put some texture paste on top of the places where it's supposed to be rubble and it solves that problem without it. Oh, nice. So, um, so yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I have not you, put together the Titans yet. I want to do the Titans after we come back from Nova because I need to focus on Underworld's Warbands that I'm going to play or whatever until that time. I don't think um, you mentioned painting Underworlds. I can't remember two months ago if uh, Pandemonium was complete at that time. But if not, I'll just give it a shout out. Trace uh, kindly painted my Pandemonium um, for me, and it is by far my favorite looking warband in my collection. He hit it out of the park. Um, he did some really cool things where like Heffalump has these tones of colors on the, on him, like, you know, like a, a darkish purple red almost and like a blue. <clears throat> and then those colors transcend out to the, the demons or the entities, but like the blue goes to two of them and the red goes to the other two. And it, it really ties together and it's very, very bright, which is uh, very different for my collection. So uh, thank you. And they're fantastic. I'm sure there's pictures in the discord. So uh, nicely done, sir. Yeah. Happy to do it anytime. Anytime. Oh, really? I got, hold on. Let me just grab this trunk of stuff and head up to. <laughs> Trek up to north of the wall. Just drop a bunch of stuff off to be painted. Uh, the Grumpkins and Snarks might take off with it if you leave it on the doorstep. Just uh, that's right true. Uh, so I've been just dabbling at different things. I've been messing around painting with painting some Starblood Stalkers. I've painted, uh, I've got the Headman's Curse primed um and i might do a like quick and dirty paint tutorial for that oh that'd be fun um thinking something like along the lines of like a dementor from harry potter i think that that would be really cool with some like really bright colored bases to like offset the black so quick and dirty paint scheme maybe um yeah so that's what i've been working on what about you buddy well, I've been playing a lot too, but we can get to that later. Yeah. So, I mean, you've really carried the torch at a lot of the, the Monday meet, meetups. <clears throat> so, um, I guess in the last two months, um, I procured a night Proferion. Is that how you say this? Yeah, the Porphyrion. Yep. Porphyrion for, you know, Adeptus Titanicus, a model that I've eyed man. forever. Um, I just didn't buy it because I knew once I bought it, then I would go down the rabbit hole. So I picked up that box, uh, put that together, just one of them. I still have the other one to, to assemble. It was cool to assemble a model of the scale. It's about the size of a space Marine. So, um, really cool. And then I, you know, I got on that painting kick just kind of from the last episode carried over. I don't know if I shared on the last episode, if I, I painted my, um, Spider-Man model from the starter box of Marvel crisis protocol. Only now to find out this month that he's being updated again. It's fine. It's not AMG's fault that it took you four years to paint your model, Jason. I just and also I, I appreciate them updating sculpts that 
desperately needed some help because those original sculpts, while they're iconic because they're the first ones, there is a giant talent and technology difference between the original box and what they produce now. So well, I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And I think even their understanding of like what makes a good model, like Correct. what makes a good pose, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot more models with a foot up pointing at things now, which is very attractive to me. Yeah. Discovered <laughs> Everything Jared likes to play is got a tactical rock and is pointing at something. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun revelation on a hobby night, literally oh, stepping man. away from my computer to look at my hobby cabinet and be like, Oh my God, literally <laughs> all of my favorite Hearing models. your mind unravel audibly in the background was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Mr. Sinister is got his foot up on something and is pointing at something. <laughs> King Velmorn has his foot up on something and is pointing at something. Farstrider. It just the list went on and on and on. It just Cable. went on. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. That's it was beautiful. <laughs> but all of that to say, Jared between has the a type, the yeah, That's I do. I do have a type. So anyway, yeah. like I yeah, I painted Spider Man, and um, I understand what you're saying. I guess the reason that I even bring it up, and the new models are amazing. I'm gonna buy it because I love the new Captain America model. Yeah. He's like better than I don't own anything but Sam and original Cap. So adding that one to my collection, that is the one I'd want to play. He's the when I think of Cap, he looks like that instead of the original model. Um. But my problem with it has nothing to do with AMG um, or them releasing the box and has everything to do with the internet community. Because if GW was to do the same thing of saying like, hey, here's all these new sculpts from four years ago, the internet would explode with how GW is terrible and we hate them. And AMG's like applauded, like, oh, thanks for moving the set forward. Thanks for redesigning these sculpts. Thanks for, thanks. Like, I hate hypocrisy. And that's what we're in in this type of scenario. But you're, but you're expunging all my space Marines. I can't use them anymore. Not true. After 30 years. Oh, I'm aware. Well, it's not 30 years, but most of those kits are 20 years old. And listen, even though. So then you could say, oh, yeah, like uh, they're expunging. They're getting rid of all this stuff. There's still current day equivalence, which is the same thing AMG is doing. And it's I like it just yeah. boggles my mind why there's so much hate around it. I'm with you. Yeah. And, and let's be real. All those models that the GW is basically last chancing to buy on their site. The Space Marine preview is like just around the corner. So yeah. that's true. You're probably oh, going to yeah. get straight up primarish replacements for pretty much everything on that list. So yeah. quit your whinging as old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as James Workshop would say. Yeah. And like, I mean, it completely, it doesn't invalidate an army I have, but it completely upgrades an army I have. So I have a fully painted Crimson Fists, like first chat, like first company chat like uh not chapter firstborn uh, firstborn army complete like it is it is vanguard vets it is stern guard it is drop pods it is land raiders it's pedro cantor it's old boxy dreadnoughts it's complete it's an awesome army i love to play it 
and the cool thing is is i can still play it it just won't look as cool because it's not the new primaris like stern guard and it's not gonna be the new primaris assault intercessors because my guys don't have jump packs they come out of the drop pods but it's still there um in you know even the raven guard raven wing sorry raven wing like the bikes i can just rebase them and use them if i really really wanted to like they could be stand-ins the only thing currently that i lost lost were land speeders and mm-hmm. you know i think that there will be more land speeders that come out like they do have the newer land speeders um so anyway, that's my little tangent, but the Spider-Man came out fantastic. I really enjoyed painting him if we hadn't talked about him before. Uh, and then I finished my Primaris first edition Primaris Crimson Fist um, Army, which <clears throat> was a commission paint. And I had a couple of squads that I wanted to add a Power Fist to. Um, it was a total of, I think, 11 Space Marines is what I painted in the month. And um, basically now I can have six squads of five with um, power fists. And they came out like I had a super fun time painting them. They came out really well. I have one that I have to put decals on um, currently, um, but he's probably my favorite. I learned more on the way, like matte varnishing and how that kind of blends your transitions out even more and make sure that contrast paint doesn't come off to my grubby fingers. Um, I messed up with the matte varnishing, so I had to like smooth it out. So learned how to do that. Um, yeah, there, there was a big growth period for you. There's lots that's happened for you in the past two months. Yeah. 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 Um, the only thing is it was disrupted because of work. So work got really, really busy. I wasn't able, like we went on vacation, so I wasn't able to attend the meetup and then work kind of like got in the way of me priming models. Um, but what really helped me with my painting and hobby and the reason I enjoy it now is because instead of looking at something like I have to complete it, cause that was always my, like, I got to paint this model so I can play with this model. I now view that whole thing as like, let me learn how to do X. Hmm. And for whatever reason that has changed my enjoyment of the hobby, like, Let me learn how to like paint like this and then more importantly, set it up so I can repeat it over and over and over again, like learn from this process. And then if I mess up, it doesn't matter because I can repaint it. And I don't know why, maybe it was painting so many MCP like I did that it just changed the way I viewed the, um, the 40 K stuff. Um, I'm able to paint at a lower level, and get it done and be satisfied with it. And I'm trying to learn every single time that I turn on my hobby, you know, thing. Um, the other big thing is, is I didn't finish those models in one day. It was spread out over like three weeks, which normally I don't do. Like I finish, get done and go. Um, other hobby progress, like we're almost wrapping up the current underworlds league. So I did play a ton. Um, like Jared and Trace, I'm trying to figure out what to take to Nova. Like, obviously, Pandemonium's in the conversation. I've played a ton of those. Um, not really to get ready for Nova, but for other reasons that, you know, like, I just like to play and figure out why the frick something's broken. Um, <laughs> um, and then I guess uh, Elephant and Soul Raid are kind of high on my chart because I think there's potential there, but 
man, it's such a brain exercise for me to play them. Um, I love it, but I don't know if that's what I want to do going into Nova. Um, believe it or not, uh, GSP is spiked up cause I have yet to play them. And then someone the other day threw this like nice little fish thing out there. They're like, I'm surprised you're not playing. And that's a pro pro guard. So, um, the last couple nights I've been really trying to like get back into this Rapoco card mindset, um, and see if I can, can, uh, resurrect that warband. Um, we talked about combat patrol where I played my Necrons and Danny destroyed me with his black Templars. Um, Oh, I, the only other thing I guess I'll shout out that I'm pretty excited about, um, is the hobby bunker in the white dwarf. So I didn't get my white dwarf shipped to me and like, so I'm like a month behind and I don't normally read the white dwarf from cover to cover. Like I kind of spin around and grab sections and read it. But this one, for some reason, that hobby bunker, like just it gravitated to me. And I, I think it's a great idea. I'd like to do some of that stuff and you know, whether it's play games or do hobby challenges and stuff like that i just it's intrigued me i'm going to try to convert it into something that we can do for the group where it's not just so 40k or aos centric but um, really was had my hobby juices stimulated through that um, article and then last but not least i guess is to just like preview nova a little bit um really excited to get up there and really not having a plan uh we still have to decide what we're going to play what we're going to do there are a ton of games that I want to check out while we're up there, like Shatterpoint and In Country and uh, Arena Rex, like all these games that are just random that I want to kind of try out. And Trace is like, what is he talking about? So <laughs> you do you, boo-boo, whatever yeah. you want to do. So that's kind of where we're kind of where we're at from hobby progress and pie in the sky. Um, before we get into the full episode, one big shout out uh, this week, because we are prepping for Nova, because we have not updated anything in two months, I scoured the interwebs, Trace made some decks as well, and and um, provided some stuff, and then our tech wizard of Jared updated the Nemesis um, database. I was not able to secure everyone's name or where that deck came from. So if you go onto the deck library and notice that your deck is up there, please shoot us a message so we can properly give you credit. Um, but we added what, like 12, at least 12. Yeah. At least 12. And for reference, Jason has scoured like recent tournaments, um, recent events and stuff. I think most of what he pulled was out of BCP. Um, but and I, I think I there found, were other I, sources. I as saw well. those links to the one that was at Element Games, the top two at Element Games too. Okay, cool. They're in the Discord as well. So nice, sweet, cool. So I think that's it. That's not bad. A forty-three minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone who stuck along uh, and and joined us for this ride. Um. But I think with that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about Scavix Plague Pack. And we're back. Gentlemen, what's worse than a stinky rat? Six stinky rats. That is correct. There are six stinky rats in this warband that we're about to talk through. Um, 
I am going to briefly review the fighter cards because these images are available for you to look and read for yourselves on the Wormy community site. So I'll just briefly go over them and kind of hit some high points of what I feel are uh, notable statistics on these fighters. Um, we'll start with Skabic. So Skabic is the leader of this warband. Um, like Jared said, this is a six fighter warband. Um, there is one four wound fighter, two wound, two three wound fighters, two two wound fighters with an asterisk, which we will cover in a minute, and then one one wound fighter. Um, the best one wound fighter in the game is pretty cool. Um, so Skabic Plague Seeker is a uh, has the keywords priest and befowler. Uh, he is a four move fighter has one dodge and four wounds. He has a pretty nice little a solid attack on his profile. It's a range two, two hammers, and two damage with Grievous one, um, which is, I love some two range attacks. I think that they're great. They give you a lot of positional flexibility. Um, and with a four move fighter, like getting in there and having a th six threat range is pretty great. Um, the inspiration on, this, on these fighters is... Uh, is across the whole warband. So you only have to do this condition one time and everybody inspires. And that is two or more territories are corrupted by your warband. Well, how do you corrupt a warband, uh, corrupt a territory? You might ask, well, there is a plot card with this warband as well. Um, the plot card reads at the end of an action phase, a player's and a player's and or no one's territory are corrupted by your warband. If there are one or more of the following true, um, two or more friendly fighters are in that territory. One or more friendly befowlers are on an objective in that territory. Um, when a territory becomes corrupted, it remains corrupted until the end of the next action phase, even if it, even if this is a result of a power card. A territory can be corrupted by multiple warbands at the same time. So, this is a positional warband, obviously. You want to try and get in all the different territories, you want to have some fighters in yours, fighters in mid midboard, and fighters in enemy territory. If you do that, you you inspire the warband. Um, Skabic also has a special uh, ability called Befowler. Um, at the start of each round, stagger each enemy fighter adjacent to this fighter. So just an inbuilt stagger. If you're next to a fighter, you get a nice they get a stagger token, which makes you more accurate, uh, which is awesome. Um, when he is inspired, his uh, the main thing that changes for him is he goes to one shield, and then he gains an additional die, but switches to furies on his um, on his attack. So he gets three dice for fury for two damage with Grievous. Um, uh, Rabidius is the next fighter. Rabidius Skinch. Um, he is your heavy hitter of the warband. Move four, one dodge, three wounds. Same inspire condition, same befowler, same befowler ability like Skabic has. Uh, he has a plague sensor, so this is like the sensor bearer of the plague monks in this warband. Um, range two, two fury, three damage. Ouch! Tasty, tasty, tasty. He also Thank has you. is he's, he's smelly. You, you you smell him before you see him, probably. Um, 
He also has a flailing plague sensor, which is a scything attack of one range, two fury, two damage. So he's like your beater for the warband, um, but he's also pretty quick. Uh, when he inspires, no change on his other on his top row stats. Still keeps his one dodge. He goes to two hammers for his accuracy on his plague sensor, though, and gains a die on his uh, scything attack. So he is your your whirly gig smash him up fighter for the warband. Next, we have Itchit. He is a minion. Uh, also, Rabidius is a minion as well, which is key. So if you if all those beast bound assault players out here, <clears throat> this warman might have some pull for your minions. Yeah, all all five fighters other than the leader are minion, which is yep. a pretty good keyword to have. It is. Yeah, yeah, actually, I mean, we can just say it now. Every other fighter other than Skabic is a minion in this yep. warband. Yep. Is that not just what I said? All other fighters other than leader are all minion. All five others are, are all five minions. others. Yeah, there's yes. five other ones. I know that every every time you look, you think it's four, but it's five. I know. <laughs> so, so uh so Ribidius is also a Befowler, Befowler and Itchit is also a Befowler. So Itchit is also a um four move, one dodge, three wounds. Uh he is not super accurate. He's got a two fury, one damage attack, but that's not real that's not where the money is with this particular card. He has an inbuilt action um called Book of Woe action roll one magic dice for each enemy fighter in the same territory as this fighter on a roll of a focus swirly swirly the uh deal one damage to that fighter so blanket damage for one action if you if you're lucky enough it's pretty cool it's pretty cool uh, when he inspires the only thing that changes on him is he gets an additional damage and he goes to channels for his book of woe action so he goes to like a 50 percent chance to well no yeah it goes from 33 yeah. percent chance to 50 percent yeah because he's not casting a spell so chris right. will never be successes yep. that's right so he goes to a 50 percent chance to deal damage to anybody in a territory which is awesome um uh he does not gain priest when he's inspired um next no, one is poxlix yes we'll talk about that later probably um, Poxlix is the next fighter. Uh, same movement, four, four movement, one dodge, two wounds. So he's kind of squishy. Uh, a three fury, one damage attack at range one with Grievous. Um, no additional other abilities on this fighter. However, when you go to the inspired side, he goes to one shield and three wounds. So he gains a wound, kind of like the dwarves of old. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the uh, only other warband that we've seen that gains a wound on Inspire? Dwarves are the only ones that I know of that gain wounds on the on the Inspired side. It's very rare, right? It's very rare. Yeah. Um, and he also gains additional fury on his attack. So he goes to four fury with Grievous one and one damage. So pretty accurate on his on his inspired side. Yeah. The last of the substantial rats is Rickett. Um he is Four move, one dodge, two wounds. Range two, two fury, one damage with Grievous one. There's a lot of Grievous in this warband. Um, and then when he inspires, he also goes to one shield and three wounds up from two. Uh, 
and then he gains an additional flat damage on his attack. And last but not least, Skritter. He is the bestest of little pet rats. He has moved five. One dodge, one wound. He has an infected bite, the worst bite you'll ever feel, with his one range, two fury, one damage. However, his real worth lies in his special ability called Worthless. Oh, I see what you did there. If this, if this fighter would be taken out of action, remove it from the battlefield and clear all counters and persisting effects from this fighter. It is not taken out of action. Yeah. It's key. It's it kind of like a fish, right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And the, I, he is the key to the war band. Just to, to clarify. So you have for the wounds upgrades, you have uh, fire slayers, you have thunderic. Then you also have vampires. What's uh, Gorath? Oh, does? Gorath does. Oh, well, Gorath goes, he gets a but wound when he's... Uh, that's bloodthirsty. 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 And then um, the Gorhulk, when he's like enraged, oh, does the, the same. So there's yeah. definitely others out there, but we all know how powerful it is to, to gain a wound. And then a Nemesis going to, like the way we play, going from two to three is a substantial increase. Yeah. It's like you're going from one attack to two attacks that you can take. So yep. really, really cool there. And Skavik, the Worthless is not worthless. He's your Skritter. key to corruption. Skritter. Yeah. So Skritter, Skritter is also a befowler. So Skritter yeah. can scuttle across midfield, jump on an objective and corrupt the territory. If you're going second, you can do that as your last activation and not yeah. have to worry he about can, it. He can scuttle to midfield and sit on an he objective. He can also do that, yeah. Or he can scuttle wherever you want to because range five, I have discovered in my last previous my previous yeah. few games is that move five is huge. It is a big deal. And actually game. it. So speaking of that, I think it's worth noting that these rats are not blanket move five. They are not. They're mostly move four. Yeah, um, they're, yep. They're tankier, but they have the beefier. same range. Most I think of that's, them. A, that's a, I do. Yeah. The, all of the range, With the range two, they, two, they have the same effective threat range, but they are not, yeah. um, they don't have They're the not. same effective threat ranges like um, Skittershank, but right, but they're still fast enough to get where they need to go and hit something. Which yeah, is and that, yep. I think that plays into like the first pass when you look at this warband. You have really bad defense and not the greatest wounds and pretty mediocre attack action. Like the a lot of them are in Furies, right, or two dice, or mm-hmm. so. Like you're like, oh man. <clears throat> But like they still four four move is still substantial. Yep. Right. The in and the other like the range two is pretty good. And then as we get into the cards, the cards really offset some of this other stuff that they they can't do. So first glance, when I looked at this warband, I'm like, meh, you know, it's like mediocre. Like we don't want no mediocre. No, no, we don't want no mediocre. Um, <laughs> um, but I really like the how they differentiate. And as we get into play style, I really want to talk about itch it. But uh, keep in mind, you only need one fighter on an objective in a territory to corrupt it. That's right. And itch it really feels like he could secure your side of the board really well. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, just to wrap up the fighter cards real quick, uh, the only thing that changes on Skritter is he gains an additional dodge on his inspired side. So if you're able to get him inspired, he becomes a little more tanky. Um, 
But quite honestly, if somebody's wasting an attack on Scritter, I mean, that's, that's a win you for want you. To do. Yeah. 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 It's a win for you. So uh, it's great. So that being said, you have any other notes on the fighter cards themselves before we move on to objectives? Nope. Cool. All right. So um, there's a lot of, I've, I've, I feel that there's a lot of really good objectives in this deck. So this was kind of difficult for me to go through and figure out what I like most, but uh, Jason, why don't we start with you, bud? I think you probably had a little bit more focus on what you think the Warband's good at or not. So why don't you start us off with the objective that you like? Um, sure. <laughs> I know what one I want, like, in my mind. I just don't remember what it's called. Um, oh, my Lord. Jared wants you to go while Jared, while Jason's gathering his thoughts. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Rabid Harbinger. So bear in mind, so this is our standard Rivals review. So these aren't necessarily the best cards in the deck, but these are the cards that you most likely want to see early. Um, so it's going to kind of help you get your warband going. Um, so rapid harbingers is a surge. It's a duel score this immediately after an opponent's activation. If your warband holds two or more objectives and one or more friendly befowlers are on an objective token in your territory. So you could use some clever pushes, uh, do this with one activation and maybe one push in your power step and be on your territory. And, uh, yeah. So it's the old, uh, I don't remember the name of that objective anymore. Score. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, because we don't, it's so far gone. The yes. hold, one glory. Hold two, surge, score a glory. Whatever that thing is called. Yeah, yeah, I forgot the name. Yeah, and the, the card I'm thinking about, I think, is actually in the other, in the the Rivals deck. That's why I couldn't find it. Nice. Um, but the key thing here with this one is remember it's after an opponent's activation step. That's so right. there is a chance to counter it, but it's just two objectives. It can be in your territory. It could be in no yeah. man's territory. You just need one in yours. You need a befowler in yours. Yep. And, and then the other you, one can be anywhere else. It's... My first action is itch it to an objective in the back of my board. Like you mean, no, itch, itch it, it, itch it, itch it. Yeah, yeah, yep. Itch it. Who yeah. is a befaller is going to whatever objective is in the back of my board, and I'm just yep. going to use that book of woe, like as anytime a somebody comes in. Yeah, like yep. if you're going to invade my territory, okay, fine. Blue. Like I might be able to just plink you off the board. Um, not saying yep. that I'm going to do that, but it's definitely a deterrent, right? Right. Um, and I think that that objective is really good to start off with. So great job there jared yeah no problem just yeah. as planned just as planned my my first objective would be scuttling horde and this one is score immediately after your warband's third or su successive move action made in the same phase so i don't have to roll any dice if i charge it counts as a move and an attack yep and i just need three moves and yep. there may be some cards to help us with that. But there there may there. be, yeah. Maybe. There, there could be. So, you know, I think, I think I think I can do three moves in, in a turn, especially if this is the first turn. Yeah. It might get a little tough in the third end phase when or the third phase when third maybe phase. you only have two rats left. But 
Yeah. But I could just move somebody three times. You right. could. Move, move, move. <laughs> move, move, move. <laughs> So I'll go, um, and I am going to pick corrupting the land. Uh, Scores in an end phase if no ones and or enemy territory are corrupted by your warband. Um, This card is very easy to score, Um, especially early game. Um, You have six fighters, and there's nothing that the the thing that I like about this inspiration condition is the only way that it can be disrupted is if, if your fighters get killed or if they get pushed out of territory. So if you're deep enough into territory or you're on mid board, there's, you know, as long as you have the fighters there or some one, some one person is on a objective in no man's land, which is very popular these days with, Delvers and Fearsome Fortress and all those things. There's going to be objective tokens there, so yep. it's very easy to do. It's great. Yeah, and I think I think turn one, you you just want anything in these three cards that you've all selected or that we've selected play into the Inspire. Right. And I know they don't gain a ton through Inspiring, but really those those back two minions that gain the two wounds are kind of what you're trying to get to Inspire as well yep. as Skitter to get that extra dodge. And the rest of the objectives, there are some in there for corrupting territories. So it's mm-hmm. kind of important. You want to yeah. keep that corruption going. But to your point, Trace, it's not it's not easy because they can push you or your fighter could just die. Right. But I think that the way that the fighters are designed or the way that you could use them give your opponent bad choices. Right, yeah. like you can totally charge in, uh, Ricket deep into enemy territory, right? Mm-hmm. And he is a nothing fighter doing a nothing attack. You mean Scooter? And no, Ricket. No. Ricket. He means Ricket. He oh, knows Ricket, who he's talking yeah. about. Like, put him in there, and then if my if my opponent chooses to kill him, that's an activation to go get him, which opens up. Maybe I get two people into no man's territory, right? Or if he no. doesn't, if he doesn't go or she doesn't go and kill that person, then my last activation, maybe I run Skitter across, and now I have two people on, and Skitter's on an objective. So, okay, you can go kill Skitter and stop it, but you don't get any glory out of it. Right. Not only do you not get any glory, but it's also going to block any, like, take out of action. That's right. Stuff. Like so, any, any a lot of the surges that are in the game are fighter take a fighter out of action with an attack action in your activation. Yeah, you know. yeah. So this doesn't count for that. So your your planned your planned thing to get that surge out of your hand and get to your next card doesn't work. Yeah, you know, which is great. So it's let's see like the additional tools because I think the warband really shines in the gambits. Absolutely. And, like we don't have enough to to talk about like we only yeah. get to pick three and there's like 10 i want to talk i sure. know right yeah uh but again these are what we want to see early correct yeah so i'll start us off um and the card that i'll pick is move move uh choose a friendly minion uh there's five in this warband um choose a friendly minion the chosen minion makes a move action the only thing that you need to be aware of with this card is that it requires your leader to be alive. So, That's true. 
Um, that's your only like real point of caution about this. A free move action is awesome. Like <laughs> it doesn't care if you have a charge token. It doesn't yeah. care if anything like that. You can just move the fighter. It's great. Yep. Do you know what would be awesome on top of that? What? Is if there's an upgrade mm. that lets a fighter become a leader in case your leader dies. Oh, maybe. That, Whoa. that, would, be, that would be epic. Um, but be sweet. But right now we're talking about ploys. So we should. Yep. <laughs> so that Jared was also not next. on the list. So I wanted it is to not. It is not. But right. we can talk about that when we get there. Who's going next? Jared, you are. Okay. Well, we'll move, move right along. Sounds good. And I'm going to pick move, move. I did that Just one. Just kidding. I know. <laughs> I'm so tired already. And that's really bad. All right. Overpowering odors. This is a reaction. Play this during a friendly fighter's range one or range two attack action after the defense roll. After the defense roll. If that attack action would fail and there were one or more successes in the attack roll, add one to the number of successes rolled by the attacker. So as long as you don't crit me out. Yeah. And you prevent my attack because you matched my successes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this attack is just going to go through. And play this card. Yeah, it's not a reroll. Nope. It's just uh, here. Have another success. Yep. And with so, a three damage fighter at range two. Or a two damage fighter with crit grievous. So I crit, you Correct. crit. Yeah. Oh. Oh, look at I that. I guess I'll just crit hit. It goes, and it goes through. Now there's a three damage hit that just yep. went through. It's ah, it's amazing. I love it. What a stinky card. Um, it is stinky. Yeah, but even more importantly, so there is a like they're on to fury. That's right. Yep. So this is a huge boost to yes. a lot of your fighters for accuracy. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's a really good card because you get to choose when you play it too. So, Oh, I whiffed. Yes. Yeah. And it's, okay. it's, it's done in a really interesting way, right? Like it's not like, I mean, we've seen other cards like this before, but they have always been really feel bads cards. I don't feel like that this one's a feel bads card. I think that this is just like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to do this. It's it's not as bad as the one where if the, if you had matched successes. A, including no successes. Including no successes, right? This one requires yeah. you to at least roll a success. Yes, that's you have right. to roll a success. Yeah. And that's where I think it removes the feels bad because that's they're right. mostly on, on Furies. I agree with that. Yep. So Jason, bring us home on the Gambits. Yeah, I'm going to talk a lot here. I'm sorry. So Vial of Blood is the next one that we've selected as a group. Because, um, again, this Warband is all about making your opponent make a decision. And they don't know that you have this card. Uh, but Vile Blood is reaction plays during an enemy fighter's range 1 or range 2 attack action after the deal damage step. If the target would be taken out of action, minus 1 damage to a minimum of 1 from that enemy fighter's range 1 and range 2 attack actions. This effect persists until that enemy fighter is taken out of action or makes a successful range one and range two attack. And you're like, wow, that's a mouthful. And I don't really see it because I lost a fighter. But if you add that into the mix of what we already have going on on bad decisions here that you're trying to put your opponent in, if you're playing this card and they take out Skitter, like now their two damage attack is one. And it yeah. is one until they make a successful attack action. It doesn't go away. 
and then more importantly, if they take out a three wound fighter, like if you have one of those coveted three damage fighters, you can make them two. And if they choose to attack one of your minions that you've put into a, a dangle bro position, well, now he's a little more manageable for the next attack that he does, or maybe more because he misses. Um, yeah. So it's just a really cool counter piece. Well, and and something of note too is this window when that happens. We talked about this on Monday when we were playing. Remember, there is a reaction window after the damage step before the target is taken out of action. So if yeah. this would deal enough damage to take the fighter out of action, this triggers, and then the fighter that they targeted is not taken out of action because no, it's minus one damage prior to the taken out of action check. It's uh, it's no, after so the deal it's it's step. after the deal damage. So the damage has already been dealt. Oh no! But remember, yes. we we looked at this. So there's so the, the deal damage step window, right? Correct. So it's after the deal damage step, and then you check to see the fighter is taken out of action. But they've still taken correct. the damage. So the difference here is the card that you're talking about. This is a card for. Um, oh, I'm thinking uh, about the heal card. Yeah. That's so this right. is the an upgrade Ignore me. for, for Zendar Street Seekers. It hits the same window, but it's right. a heal one. Right. In, right. after the deal damage step before the taken out of action check. So right. it, that one That's triggers right. because it's a heal one. That's right. The damage has already been dealt in this case. So that I'm reading this steady. as if they would be taken out of action minus one damage. So it effectively does the same thing. Yeah, it's not the 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 card, the ploy for Dukunin crew does that. Right. Yep. So it, you reduce the damage dealt. And yeah, ignore case. me. Ignore yeah. me. I no, but I mean, when I first read this card, I thought it was that too. So, so I think it's an important conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. They still go out of fighter. Like if the target would be taken out of a action, right? right? So you have to hit that trigger minus one damage. Um, I see how you could go that way given other cards, but it doesn't reduce the damage. It changes his next attack. Right. Um, but some other yep. things to note that we did not call out. There are two push cards. I know. Shocking. In this, um, gambit deck which are can really help you score or corrupt or do all the other things that we we're we we're talking about um there's one that's a push two hexes and then one that's just push um one yeah but the yeah so there's one push two hexes and then the other one lets you push two fighters one hex yeah yep there's a reroll gambit card. So like, again, getting yeah. your accuracy up, especially if you're coming in late round with uh rabbitus. Yep. Um, can reroll one of those attack dice. Um, and then there's also there are a card. There's also a card that just straight up corrupts the territory. Yeah. yeah. With and a two thirds chance to just corrupt the territory. Yeah. yeah. Jason's right. 10, there are 10 gambits and we want to talk about all of them. Yeah. Yes. And, and then, you know, they have the reverse, um, rebound card here, mm-hmm. which is rancid vomit. And although is only going to go off 33% of the time, that's why it's a rebound card. Yeah. Um, I think that it's worth talking about because this card could really spike damage, um, yeah. especially early game. Just think about like you have all these reroll cards or you have the efficiency to get an attack through. And let's say Rabbitus comes across, he smacks a five wound fighter yeah. with three damage. 
And then you're like, all right, let's rebound it and rancid vomit and take a 33% chance to just take that fighter right out of action. Yeah. Yes, you're you're playing the odds. It's not a great card from like it's going to work every time. But when, but it, when hits. it does work, it's going to change the game. Yeah. What did we used to say about rebound? It wins you 33% of the games you would yeah. have lost. That's right. Yes. I think that's what this card does. And it doesn't necessarily have to be against the person you attack, right? It's just it's yeah. just choose an adjacent fighter, two damage. So yeah. I come in and and bop one for three, kill one, and you got another two. Like in the, it's yep. it really yeah thirty three percent. Bomb it on the fish. It works every time. Thirty three percent of the time, it works every time. Yeah. No. So anyway, tons of good gambits. I think it's really where it shines, and the gambits to me really make you make it play so your opponent has to make bad decisions. Yeah, so. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think there's some really good upgrades too, so why don't we move on to those? Um, Jason, you've got, you're full of it tonight, so why don't you just start us off? <laughs> I am I am full of it. Um, I'm fired up for, for certain. Um, I'm just going to go, so Rotted Flesh. Um, it's a great card art. I like this card. Um, you cannot give it to a large fighter. I really like that. They're starting to include those sentences. Even like you read this, you're like, why does that have to be in on this card in this war band? But it just like future proofs. A lot of the cards, um, for anything that may come out or combinations that may exist out there. So I like that minus one damage to a minimum of one from enemy fighter attack actions that target this fighter while this fighter is in a territory corrupted by your war band. And that's why I think it's real important for turn one to focus on getting the corruption because there's a couple of objectives and cards that kind of flow off this Um, in minus one damage. It it doesn't break. It just stays there. So if you're in a corrupted territory, you always get minus one damage. It's really good, especially on your leader. Yeah. Agreed. Jared, what about you? Yeah, so I like Pox Ridden Lucidity. Mm. So this is a reaction. Uh, use this after this fighter's first successful range one or range two attack action in a round. Um, again, so just want to caveat here that this is future proofing, right? Nobody in this warband has a anything other than range one and range two attack actions, uh, but they don't want you to be able to throw on like the Star Maw and be able to do this. Uh, so after this fighter's first successful range one or range two attack action in a round, pick one, draw one card, or draw one objective, then place one objective card on the bottom of your objective deck. So this gives you opportunities to draw cards. Again, it's one you want to see early, so you get more chances to use this ability, Um, but it's going to let you either get through your power deck faster or cycle objectives without having to use an activation to do that. And note that the place one objective card on the bottom of your objective deck is after the draw. So you'll have four objectives in your hand, and if you're like, oh, actually, what I have in my hand is better than this fourth one that I just drew. You can just put that fourth one on the bottom. Um, but it opens up opportunities to massage your deck. Again, it's going to be one that you want to see early. Like this has definitely diminishing returns in value uh, That's right. as you go towards late game. Um, but it's really powerful if it goes off. Yeah, and it's restricted to the three fighters, right? But now yeah. with um, <clears throat> salvage. Salvage, yep excuse me, those are not as much of a risk, but here's a little wombo combo for you. You put it on Ravitus. And then he whirly gigs. And then he scything whirly gigs. Yep. 
increases your chances of it. I can react every time, though. Uh, first successful attack action. Oh, just the so first. It's broken. It's yeah, broken yeah, yeah. up into it's broken. the. Oh yeah, yeah. If it was. Oof. Oh, that would be. <laughs> that would be, that would be nuts. Amazing. Just, just basically ditch your whole. Just draw my whole power deck. Yeah. But it's anyway, the first if I'm making three attack one. actions, I'm going to get it at least once, right? Right. Yeah. That's the hope. Is that yeah? If you can go in and whirly gig, then you'll get something popping out. So I like it. Yeah, that's what I like. All right. What's left, Trace? I'm a, a simple man. Um, so I'm just going with the nice plus one damage to range one and range two attack actions while this fighter has one or more charge tokens and or wound counters. I like it. So these are the old great strengths that we love, but they've learned that they need to add additional conditions to these so that they're not just auto takes for everything all the time. Um, this one's still an auto take, but I mean, yeah. Huh. But when does a fighter get a charge token after Mm. the move action? Oh, so if you're charging, it's just like you get it. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Mm, yep. That's good yep. stuff. Yeah. I like Love it. it. I also like the flavor text. Hit hard, die fast. No mercy. Oh, the no mercy part I added. But... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to, I have to hope that that's a slight but, Cobra Kai reference, but maybe. <laughs> maybe I maybe, thought you were talking about Muddy Ducks. Like, oh, no. 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 <laughs> So I do want to give a shout out to the artist for these cards too. Oh my gosh. Because yes. these the art on these cards is terrifyingly beautiful. Yeah. On it, all it harkens back to the that gritty Oh like, yeah. Like the old uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Art. Well the old Warhammer Fantasy art even. Like yeah. It's got some mild John Blanche vibes to it. Um like they're just the they're the artwork on all these is just awesome. So shot if I doubt the person who made the art is listening to this, but if you are, you are amazing. So great job. Yeah. Um, so with that, so, um, no, I'm not done. But but, I'm but, not but, done. but 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 okay. I'm not done with the upgrades. Oh, just okay. like I, with gamuts, there are some other ones that I really want to go through. And and you know, typically we really stick to the three. Maybe we'll throw one or two here and. But the reason that I want to talk about these is because I think that this warband has the soul raid feel. I think I at first blush, like first pass, it's just like, how does it not work? And I can tell you playing this rivals deck, you think it's not going to work. And then it does. Um, it's, it's this, the warband's fun to play if you can kind of unlock it in next level. Um, but I want to talk about like voice of the great corruptor. So I had already talked, talked about putting itch it in the back in the backfield. Right. And just letting him corrupt my, my, um, territory. Well, yep. if I get this voice of the corruptor out, it's restricted just to him. This is, uh, this fighter is now a priest. If one or more friendly leaders are out of action, this fighter is the leader and then an action that uh the territory this fighter is in is corrupted by your warband oh my gosh so like especially late game if you're trying to get out some of your objectives that need corrupted territory like and your other fighters are dead you can just do this and because the way that it'll work is you'll corrupt it during the round and it'll last through the end phase right yeah right so it's kind of like a, a a card that if the numbers do start to swing not in your favor, you can still work to achieve your inspire or your objective hand um, yeah. by doing it. 
So I think I that also one say is it's not a. I'd also say it's not a bad card to have early because you can. It, that action is not predicated on the leader being dead. You can do the action yeah, anytime. Correct. Yeah. It's just if the pre, if if um, Skabic is dead, then you become the leader. Um, right. But it, but you become a priest automatically, and you yeah. also gain the action automatically. So you could draw this early, and you'd be happy. Like you just that's true. Chill with it, and yeah, yeah, it's good. And there's yeah. other like combos in there because there's a ploy that makes you um, a befaller, yep. right? And that last, um, I'm trying to, it's a, it's a gambit. I thought where you just play it and then yeah, choose a minion, and you can either pick Gravis or you can make them a befaller, and that'll uh, affect to the end of the round. And like, if you did that, you could then put like nauseous vapors onto them, like, or is your last attack or your last move of the round. If you go second, do you have it on, um, you know, a throwaway fighter you run across and then you're dealing additional damage to everybody yep. at the end of the, the action phase. Like there's just a lot of sneaky ways in this deck to either get damage across or to do what you're your goal is glorious sacrifice. Like again, making someone make a bad decision. You put that upgrade on a fighter. If they take that fighter out of action, they're going to corrupt that territory, which triggers other things in your deck. Or yeah. if it is corrupted, you're going to gain a, a glory, a glory point if they take yeah. them out of action. So that's kind of like, you know, the other cards that we've had in the past of you throw that on a fighter that's in their territory and say, okay, go ahead and make a decision. Either I'm going to corrupt it or you're going to give me a glory. Do you even want to attack this fighter? Right. So anyway, I, I'm going to stop now, but I'm very excited about this Warband. I'm very excited that it is not straightforward, and I love that it's six fighters, and I love the little intricacies that are already in this Rivals deck. Yeah, agreed. New player rating. Silver. Yep. It's Agreed. not as straightforward as you want it to be. I think that the floor is a little high, but I think the ceiling is real high. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. This this so warband could go real bad for like a new player, just because you have to have activation. There's a lot economy, of positional pieces positional to it. Stuff. There's a lot of they're not they're not super sturdy fighters to begin with, so you have to like think about your actions really carefully. Yeah. There's a lot of um, targets early so game. So speaking of the positional piece, like boards, like you're looking for a more flexible deployment, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. something that can be pretty diverse, like you've got six fighters, so you're taking up all but one of the starting hexes anyway. So yeah, you want to try and find things that are either, I mean, you're not, you're not slow. So being more centrally placed on your board is not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, because you can still get to opponent's territory from middle hexes on your board, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, what about play style, Jason? What do you think that they play? Uh, play play style is definitely flex aggro, and what I I think where they transition is, is like early game. If everything works in your favor, it's kind of like position, hold objectives, get that corruption. And then late game, you're trying to maximize the range two out of your fighters. Like, cause you're going to yeah. get more, the more attacks you get second round and third round, the better 
they're going to be. Um, but if you get that inspire out of the way, you're inspired, you still want to work to continue the corruption. Um, but you, you know, if your leader gets two attacks in the same round, that's pretty good. If, if, if Rabidus, Rabidus survives, okay, I get two. And then heck, if Rickett's still there, he's range two as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I think Rickett is my dangle bro. That's the one I'm probably getting rid probably. of. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I will say to go back to boards briefly, don't put lethal hexes on your board. Don't go run out there and put ultimatum engines down as your board, like with three lethal hexes all over the place. Don't do that. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I mean, you probably want to avoid block Texas too, just so you have more maneuverability and more places to put objectives. And with the range too, that could potentially hinder you too. So that's something to consider as well. Um, If you're playing against this, um, kill the Befowlers. Like, yep. that makes a lot of the deck go. Um, it also really stymies the Inspire condition if you can kill the Befowlers. Um, if you can ping Scritter down and not have to waste an activation. Yeah, like if he's on an objective and you've got something that deals a damage to a fighter on an objective with a ploy or whatever, like that's yep. probably the best way to take him out so you're not wasting activations or whatever. Um. And then Nemesis deck recommendations. How are we? What are you thinking you might pair? So we already have a Void Curse one up that I built on uh, on the site. And I think Void Curse plays really well into this warband. Like it kind of doubles down on everything they want to do with moving. Um, They get a couple of objectives. It's still a first pass, but I had a hard time. Like I, to be honest, I was at thirteen gambits and twelve upgrades and thirteen objectives, and you can make a case for you know the way that I selected back and forth with any of those. Um, but I think that getting Rabbitus the Void Curse right away, like you yeah. don't care, like he actually gets better because he's on a shield instead of a dodge. Yep. Um, you know the the only fighter that has an action that is is uh impact is itch it um the other ones yeah like i oh i go on a shield i have to make attack actions range one or range two i don't i can't be driven back that is the that is real big too to help with your positioning so uh i also created one i don't know if jared put it on the side or not but i i made one with terrible toxins just from a a theme perspective yeah um I think it also has some, I think it's got some good options too, because you're going to, they want to be aggressive. There's a lot of cards in there that require some, you know, upgrades. And there's also additional minus one damage upgrades in there and stuff like that. So I think yeah. that's another good pairing too. It's a little yeah. bit more intricate, but I think, um, I think if you can get it to fire, it would be fun because you're debuffing your opponent by using the toxins. Right. You also gain some pretty potent object, uh, upgrades through the poison upgrades that then trigger a lot of the objectives too. So there's nice. some there's some fun there too. But nice. we have we have uh, mused about this warband for quite a while, and we need to hustle to get through our. Don't forget about Beastbound Assault. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, the one thing that we yeah. do need to mention is Beastbound Assault because so much scores off of things being That's correct minions, minions or... beasts, or having a as an upgrade so and there's also one there's one uh, objective in that deck that 
just requires multiple move actions and you for, for you to be in three different territories at different points of the game, which is very easily solved with this warband. Yeah. Um, well, a double so, move or a move in a, well, in a, a move. Ploy. Well, yeah. So like you have your ploy, um, yep. your ploy in here. So you only have to do really one activation to do it. Um, yep. if it's early in your hand, so you move to central board, then you use your ploy to move in deep into enemy territory. Um, for a single glory, like just for doing some move actions, which is great. Yep. Um, I like it. Yeah, so we'll wrap this up, and when we come back, we will discuss Paths of Prophecy. And we're back, and we're going to talk about the Rivals deck that's coming out, um, you know, to us at some point in hopefully the near future here in the U.S., um, but it's always great to get another Rivals deck uh, and to go through this. So Mathematician's Revenge is the Rivals deck that we'll be reviewing tonight. And I can't <laughs> wait to talk about all the objectives because this is something that we've missed for a long time in the game. And that is like actual objective numbers on the objectives matter. There have yep. been a sprinkle here or there, but this deck, yeah, the Mathematician is there and he wants to see those numbers. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to get it. We'll get our final thoughts after we go through a couple of cards, but where do we start with objectives? And I'm sorry, boys, I'm going to take the first one because I am fired up tonight and I want to talk about this first objective, right? Am I missing something? Do it. Okay, do it. Oh, you're good. You're okay. Good. Do it. Hell do it. Do it. in a bloody fist. Score this immediately after opponent's activation step if one or more friendly fighters are each holding one or more objectives and one or more of those fighters have one or more move counters for one glory. Score immediately after wound. opponent's activation. Pick a lethal hex, run through the lethal hex in the back <laughs> of your board say. on an objective. You score one glory. Thank you very much. This is the old play style that we used to have way, way back in the day. Um, I, You know, it's so funny that it's back it is very nice that it's after an opponent's activation step so there is a slight ch chance to counter but sacrifice yourself start the That's glory train calculated risk called it wants its yeah. it wants its score back yeah. <laughs> all right what's the second objective you'd like to pick trace uh my first pick for the objectives is Devoted Offerings, Surge, Hybrid. Score this in immediately after you play your third or subsequent ploy in the same action phase, or you draw your third or subsequent power card in the same action phase. Also, Passive AF. We've seen this before. There's other cards and other warbands that do this, and they're always included in your deck. Like, yep. You're gonna go through your power card, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Like, and with salvage, right? Being a thing, right? If yep. you salvage, like, say that you have a, let's say you have a, yeah, it's it's great, it's super easy. Now, now, mind you, um, you have to have three ploys in your hand to do it, or you yep. just spend your whole turn just drawing power cards and then just well, turn one is to move through a lethal hex and get on that objective. That's correct. That's and one then you activation. draw power cards as the rest. One activation, and the next three activations are to draw three power cards, and you end up with three glory or two glory at the end of it. So it's great. <laughs> that's right. It's awesome. 
I mean, so salvage is something that's out there, right? And it, it is key to note that it is only ploy. So like gambit cards don't the gambit, gambit um, spells don't spells count. Gambit spells don't count. It's definitely says and upgrades ploys. do not count. So um, yeah, but like the salvage like late game, I know in some of my decks I'm salvaging like three times in a row. Yeah. So it's just like okay, cool, I got it, yay. Yeah. Yep. Jared, what's the lot? What bring us home with the third? All right, so I figure we should actually talk about some prophetic paths, maybe, I guess, a little bit in this deck. So this is a sign from the gods, hybrid, scorn, and Enphase. if your warband holds objective three or your warband holds objectives one and two. So some flexibility. It is one glory in phase, which is not like the new hotness in today's day and age, but uh, I think the flexibility coupled with um, some cleverness in the gambits and upgrades plus... Uh, maybe warband specific gamuts and upgrades are, are going to make you let you score this fairly easily. I would agree. So. Yeah, I would agree. A sign from the gods is definitely there. It really should just be signed from the mathematician because remember this deck is mathematician's revenge. So without, with that, I have to point out a couple of other cards just to get the theme of this deck going. Remember that it's very objective or uh, based and um, focused so the numbers do matter a lot of these cards say precisely so they add up to precisely 15 they add up to precisely nine so uh, those cards are really cool and i'm very glad that the numbers matter again but more importantly that there it's not just hold two and three like you can get a combination to add up to five right yeah so so it's it's a little bit more complicated, but it also has some flexibility to it, which is great. Yes. Um, and then I think there's there's some cards in here that we may talk about. I can't remember what all we kind of. Yeah, if we don't talk about them, we will. Yeah, we'll we talk about them. Yeah. Yep. So. so moving on to the gambits, Jared, just keep keep us going here. Well, let's do it. So uh, I will pick uh, Fair Fortune. Choose a friendly fighter. Give the chosen fighter an upgrade from your hand. Do not spend any glory points when you play that card. Uh, yeah, definitely want this early. When you play this card, if your warband holds three or more objectives, draw one power card. So I've just played a gambit, probably on three objectives because I want to be there anyway because of everything else going on in this deck. And I've just drew a card. So I'm a third of my way towards scoring uh, uh, whatever it was. Uh, devoted offerings anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> And if your Godsworn hunts, this Heck card yeah. goes in inspire inspire i'm inspired i'm hitting you here we go yep trace what else you got for us so the ploy that i really like in calculus clairvoyance is um a pack sealed in blood um choose a friendly fighter that is holding an objective deal one damage to the chosen fighter after that fighter has dealt damage if your warband holds three or more objectives draw three power card what what draw uh, three you play Amazing. one ploy you play one ploy you draw three power cards you score an objective <laughs> huh that's amazing that's crazy yeah i mean uh, you have to be on three objectives but that's correct but you also just kill scritter here you go <laughs> that's nice. he's gotta be he has he can't do that on him because he has to be holding an objective and he's a beast oh, yeah. He can't oh yeah, yeah yeah oh or can he or can he oh Maybe. it remains to be seen needs to be seen at the end of this and things of this have been episode. prophesied <laughs> i know 
Um, so the third and, and final one that we'll bring up here for what you want in your starting hand is slinking in there. Choose a friendly fighter, push the chosen fighter one hex. Push the chosen fighter up to two hexes instead if the chosen fighter would end up uh, with that push on an objective token. So this is like treasure lost, I believe. Is that the yes. card from the yeah, dwarves? I so. yeah, yeah, I think so. Two, two hexes is a long way. And it's a push, so it can set up a lot of these hold objectives without spending an activation. Um, yep. Really cool tool to have um, in your hand, and we all we all love love the pushes. So we do. Uh, we did not talk about all of them. Is there anything else that you guys would like to to mention? Oh, don't don't be so pushy. Okay. Yep. <laughs> no. No, just I, just no. the the only one that I can think of is the ploy that I think allows you to adjust. Is that an upgrade or a ploy that allows you to adjust the value of a? Those are all set upgrades, upgrades that we'll so get to. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some heal tech in here. I can't believe Jared, do you want to talk about easily distracted because it is like the most updated version of distraction, and yeah. we all love distraction, but it is weird, right? So it's choose it an is. enemy fighter. <laughs> Push the chosen yep. fighter one hex. Then your opponent chooses another fighter and they push the chosen fighter two hexes. Not worth it. No? You don't think so? No, I mean, it depends, right? I mean, how important is my positioning? Or how important is like their positioning? So, okay, great. I pick, I, I choose an enemy fighter and I push the chosen fighter one hex. Um, then my opponent can pick any other fighter. Not mine, not just mine. They could also push theirs. Yes. So they can't push the original pushy, but yeah, I don't think like allowing your opponent to reposition any fighter two hexes at the cost of repositioning one of their fighters one hex. I mean, there I could think of some instances where it might be worth it, but uh, I think in most cases it will not be. Okay. Yeah, that's I my agree. opinion. Unless I'm completely wiped off the table and then they have to push it, two of their fighters. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm tabled, it. it's probably going pretty bad for me anyway. So Right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Cool. Moving on to upgrades. Trace, what do you got for upgrades? Uh, since minus one damage cards are a theme for us as of late, I'm just going to pick uh, Inviolate Profit. Um, so I'm, this is a, not a minus one damage. This is a minus one dice to a minimum of one. From attack actions that target this fighter. If the attacker is not adjacent to this fighter and this objector and this fighter is holding an objective, you want to be on objectives for this deck anyway. So you're no. probably going to be on an objective. Otherwise, you're probably not going to put this card on a fighter anyway. But it just reduces yeah. the chances of them getting knocked off, or reduces the chances of them getting killed. So yeah. it's just great. Yeah, from range too. From range, right? yeah. So, so like I, if as long as it's range two or three or four, if you're yeah. friggin' FLM. <laughs> um, so as long as you're not adjacent, um, this is a nice little debuff card that you can put on to keep yourself on that objective yep. longer. Cool. Jared, uh, nothing special. Oh, okay. So for the purposes oh, of holding objectives, this fighter is not considered to be a beast. While this fighter is on a future token, that token is treated as an objective token with a value of zero. So now Scritter can hold objectives, but not just hold objectives, hold any feature token mm -hmm. and treat as count treat it as an objective token. 
What so the they could hold like a, an available feature token that was placed on the board. Uh, they could hold a feature token that has been flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and they count it as holding an objective. So this could go a long way towards, um, towards allowing you to, to score those hold three objectives or be on three objectives. It's also worth noting that it is not restricted to beasts. That's so right. You could put this on any fighter and any fighter sitting on any feature token is considered to be holding an objective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really going to help. It's not going to help you with the precisely. Um, it's not going to prevent the precisely though. Yeah. So. Cause it's zero. Right. Right. Well, that leads me to, to our last like kind of pick. And I think it's probably the most versatile card in this deck with getting this deck to fire. And that's called watchful eye. It's an upgrade at the start of the end phase before you or your opponent score objective cards, you can add or subtract one to a minimum of zero from the value of the objective token this fighter is holding until the end until the end of that phase. So basically, during for one end phase, I get to say I'm holding objective three when I'm only holding objective two. Or like I'm holding objective six if I'm holding objective five, which is pretty necessary to score some of the the cards you have. It makes it so you don't have to hold all the objectives on the board. Um, right. You do have to be very careful because the way that the objectives are stacked, like it's precisely nine or it's precisely six, you're not scoring those cards in the same end phase. Right. Right. Unless you have nothing special and then you're holding a zero and you're adding up to a different number right you could like have you know you could like combo into other cards that way um but um there is something to note like there is a five glory score for holding objectives here and that is your warband holds each objective or they add up to 15 (coughs) which means that you have to hold like five, four, and then at make one a six, like, right? Like, um, which I don't I really don't. know how you do that when it's you, only five objectives on the board, but. Math- yeah, you'd have to hold a bunch or Ma- mathematician or just needs to figure it out. You, you flip all but one. Yes. And that's what I was getting. There is flip tech in here. If your warband has flip tech or you have a disposable fighter like the fish. Maybe you can do this. Yep. Um, there are other upgrades that do allow you to manipulate the board state, like move objectives here, flip them there, um, change the value of them, getting to go to six. Um, a lot of those do break. So Watchful Eye does not does not break. Like it stays on. The other yep. one, um, Unhallowed Aura, does break. So it's like a one-time only thing. Um you have helping hands, which you can kind of swap objectives around. So there are tools to get this um, cra- crazy math problem to fire. Um, but that leads me to what kind of boards do you want to place for this t- type of rivals deck? Whatever fits what warband you're using. And you probably don't want any special hexes on your board. Nope. That way you have as much flexibility when it comes to putting objective tokens or getting objective tokens on your board as possible. Correct. 
And that I think that that plays key into the next question, Jared, right? So no hazard hex, no block hexes, no nothing no, on there that would, yeah. would block. No cover, you don't want any cover, lethal, stagger, or block hexes yes. on your board. Because what's its play style, Trace? Uh, hold objectives. Correct. Which what? means that you want you want that an open placement of those objectives on your board and those hazard hexes can block that placement. Yeah. And that kind of is what is really cool to me about this deck is for a long time now board roll off. In my opinion, I very rarely given the rivals decks that are out there and that the nemesis format will never place the first board. Yeah. Because I like to pick engagement and typically an objective is going in the center somewhere given the rivals decks we have. I think this may be the first deck that if I'm playing this deck, you know, whether it's in rivals or nemesis, I may place the first board so I can take three objectives and really try to get those objectives on my side to help me score my deck. And I really think that's a cool addition to the game. I like it. So uh, how do you play against this deck? Uh, uh, you get on the objectives. Get on, yeah, <laughs> get on the objectives or remove objectives or flip them. Yeah, just be careful that they don't get like five glory for free because they're standing on one objective. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, this would just be a complete harmony at that point. It would be new player rating. Uh, I think it's got to be bronze. I don't think it fires as cohesively all as one deck. I think this is going to be an excellent. It'll deck be to an excellent splash. It'll be a good splash deck, I think. But I I don't think it fires quite concisely the way we would want. Yeah, it is not as straightforward as the other rivals decks that we've seen in the past, right? Even the ones like Terrible Toxins where you have to take basically the whole deck to get it to work. This one I really think shines in championship. There's some really, yeah, really good, good cards stuff. in here it, yeah. um, that you can definitely take out because it's not plot locked. That's right. I do think getting into Nemesis, it it is an option, but you definitely have to be committed to the play style, which leads me to our last question. What type of warbands want to play this? Because this is a style that we have not seen in Nemesis since since its inception. So I think you want a, a decent number of fighters. You want action economy through moves. Um, and you want fighters that want to be on objectives. Warbands whose rivals deck want them to be on objectives anyway. So immediately springs to mind Sepulchral Guards, Starblood Stalkers, Dukun and Crew, not because they want to be on objectives, but because they have the move efficiency. And then Ephilim's Pandemonium. Ephilim's. Because uh, they already want to be holding precisely nine anyway. And they already have some calculus clairvoyance in their deck. Yep. So hold hold nine. Hold objective hold objective hold nine objectives. That have the the total that equals nine. Yep. And then they also have a bunch of objective token manipulation where you can swap objectives around with yep. a to- with a ploy and stuff. So there's a lot of really good things that they can yeah. do. And they really all have down. range. So they can stand yep. on objectives and still be attacking. Yep. Which is good. So is there, 
because I, you know, I, I think all of those are great options, but I think the other option you have to look at is, is there anyone that's really hard to remove from the board? And is that a like four fighter war band? Is that a five fighter war band? I don't think going to three that there's just not enough bodies, but is there anybody out there that just kind of does what it's going to do? And, you know, maybe that's Thunderix profiteers like, yeah, Thunderix um, would be good with this deck too, for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about with FLM where you can, they have some good push cards in their deck where they can push onto objectives. They have, um, some good resilience cards where they can just, turn anything into minus you know just one damage flat the next turn so your odds of getting removed from the objectives are lowered and they all have range yep. so yes um thorns that have pushes and then what about lady Mournflight? i mean recently in our local league we've yeah. seen how two dodge can really stand up and they kind of like i i think i think this is like the sp- flash pick right like yeah mm, i want to be a crazy mathematician i'm picking this bad boy today and let's see what what we can do um really fun i think the thing that we're seeing with lady harrow coming back is just her mobility like their mobility and being able to just ignore everything and move around the board with a high mobility like high movement yeah just allows them to be anywhere so um so they're a good pick too. Yeah. And my last but not least, because the, the, the reason we're picking so many warbands is because it is going to take a lot of work to get this deck to fire in the Nemesis format. You're really going to have to pick or choose, and it's going to have to pair with what you're already trying to accomplish. Would be Storm of Celestis, right? Four fighter warband. They want to mm-hmm. stand on objectives. They're going to yeah. shoot you at range. Um, but that really, like ends our math class so i appreciate you guys sticking with me um for for the review of that um prophecy of paths of rivals deck with that we're gonna take a break and come close out the show a little later And we're back, and that will wrap up this, the 52nd episode of the Battle Mallet Podcast. Uh, We want to say thanks for taking the time to listen. Um, If you want to refer us or recommend us, we're found on every podcasting platform available. Uh, If you have not, like, subscribe, reviewed. uh, We appreciate that. It just helps get our content out to anybody else that might be interested. Uh, Please check out the Nemesis library, uh, battle-mallet.com slash nemesis dash decks i believe um the link will be in the show notes um if you have a deck uh that you've put together that you would like to share with uh, the greater underworlds community we would love to hear from you um you can find us on twitter we're battle mallet one on instagram we're battle mallet pcast we're battle mallet podcast on facebook and i think that's it what's twitter i thought it was like x oh x i'm sorry come on oh lord i know right i don't think we have any major community shout outs if you're going to be at nova i think ideally we'll get an episode out again before nova but in case we don't if you're going to be at nova uh, hit us up you can message us on facebook you can message us on instagram you can message us on x i guess all those things Um, if you're looking like even if discord yeah in the discord even if you're just looking for a random like rivals pickup game uh we'll be hanging out in the 
board game lounge cantina whatever it's going to be called this year yeah. um we love just to whether it's a teaching game or just playing for fun uh get with us uh it's the, the thing i'm looking forward to the most yep sweet so for the pal mallet podcast we are a mathematician a prophet and a calculator this is Jared signing out. That was Jared signing out. And I'm Jason Tableby Murray. Class is out. Peace. Go, Bills. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. What up, gamers? Welcome back to the Battle Man Podcast. We're three dads, haven't recorded in two months. We talk for the first 30 seconds of this episode, and then we ramble on about knowing what we don't know about the game. All right, sweet. I'm Jason Table New Murray, and I'm joined tonight by... (laughs) Oh, we don't want to use that one? Okay, good, go. No, because I'm going to have to bleep it out. If you had managed to get through it without dropping anything, we would have run with it, but... (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.